for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello, everybody, and especially to those watching tonight in the live feed. We are live on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and Periscope and Daily Motion and several other platforms. Uh, good to have everybody with us uh, on the live video feed. Of course, if you want to listen just to the audio, the best option there is to go over to TalkStreamLive.com. And then, of course, during the week, you can do all the downloading at your favorite podcast platform. Just search for Jim Paris Live. You can also catch our 24-hour stream at JimParisRadio.com. And also that is available on the Alexa devices as well. All of the details on that over at JimParisRadio.com. This book uh, is incredible. And we're going to have the author with us in 28 minutes. It's called Furious Hours, Murder, Fraud, and the Last Trial of Harper Lee. And Harper Lee is uh, fascinating, right? Pulitzer Prize winner, author of To Kill a Mockingbird. Well, there's a lot more to the story, and we're going to get the rest of that story tonight from our special guest, Casey Sepp, that will be here in just a few minutes. Next week, we will have a special best of broadcast for you because I will be traveling. I'm going up to uh, the Northeast to visit my daughter. I'm excited about that. One of the things I found out, though, today when I was checking with uh, the airlines about what the mask requirements are, just like I predicted, it's not just good enough anymore to just wear a mask on your flight. It has to be a certain kind of a mask. It can't have valves on it. It has to be two ply, all of these requirements. So they started out with just, look, any face covering will do. Uh, but now they have a whole list of masks that are not allowed, including bandanas are not allowed. Uh, masks that are one ply fabric are not allowed. Masks that have uh, exhaust valves on them, which by the way, breathing is inhaling and exhaling. So I had to do a little bit of research here this afternoon and I bought another mask on Amazon, which is supposed to come tomorrow, which is the highest rated, most breathable mask because I'll be on a flight for, I guess, three or four hours to get up to uh, Boston and, and all of that. And then I've got to uh, you know deal with a, a little bit of a bus ride after my, after my flight and I'm sure I'll have to wear the mask there as well. So this is the first time I'm flying since all of this. So this is going to be interesting. Look for some... Uh, videos on that. All right. I also want to tell you tonight, uh, as long as we're talking about personal stuff, I went back on the keto diet uh, about a week ago. And uh, for those of you that know, I went on the keto diet and I lost like 22 pounds and it was great. And then I went off the keto diet and I gained back 22 pounds. Not so great. And uh, I'm not sure exactly why I went off of it. You know, it's you're, you're on a diet for a while and you start cheating a little bit. One thing leads to the next. And before you know it, 
you're eating giant bowls of pasta, right, which are not allowed uh, on the keto diet. Um, really, you know, for me, I had to make a decision going into my uh, 56th birthday coming up in January. You know, what, what kind of life do I want to have? you know, the next few years, what do I want to, you know, have And And my family has a lot of diabetes in it. So I decided, you know, I don't want to become a diabetic. I need to lose weight. I need to take my diet seriously. So I went back on keto. But the interesting update on that is I have been so sick during the last week. I had to literally stop all of my exercise except for my martial arts classes, which I teach and I can't really get out of those. So I uh, kept the martial arts classes going and all that this week, but uh, no bike riding, no running, no swimming, uh, set all of that aside. I just didn't have the energy. And uh, when you're somebody that eats a lot of carbs and then you go on to keto, it's a huge adjustment. Your body has, is, goes into almost like shock and they call it the keto flu that, that some people go through. Most people have it for a couple of days. I had it for a week and I think I'm done with it. I think it ended yesterday, which is really great as I've got this trip coming up on Wednesday, but it's always a challenge to stay on any kind of eating program when you're traveling. Uh, so that's uh, going to be a challenge uh, on this trip up to the Northeast. Okay. So one of the things I did this week, which is interesting, and you might've noticed that if you follow me on social media, I'm experimenting with this new way of replaying my shows the videos, restreaming them. And I feel kind of a little bit awkward about this because what happens is when my shows restream the videos, it, they have the little live icon in the corner. Of course, they're not live. These are shows I've already uh, pre-recorded, but this is how it works. This platform I'm using called Restream is all set up with Facebook. This is all approved by Facebook. This is not some kind of a, a black hat uh, strategy that I'm using. And everybody's doing it. Uh, Glenn Beck, I mean, they, you name it. Everybody's doing this where you have the videos uh, in your archives. You queue them up through a platform. And then they get rebroadcast as live. So, you know, that is what it is. So if, we, if you see those happening throughout the week, I'm not actually live. Um, call it a live recording. <laughs> if that doesn't, uh, that's not the biggest oxymoron, right? A, a live rebroadcast. I, I don't know, but they're called live broadcast. But I'll tell you what's really cool about this in using restream.io uh, to do my uh, restreaming of the old shows as live. Most of these shows are evergreen content that I'm restreaming. So I'm only restreaming shows that are not really dated. So it doesn't really matter. It's not like I'm talking about, you know, what's happening in the news. These are typically my guest segments that I'm restreaming. But let me tell you what's happened. Every time I restream one of my old shows, I get a bunch of new people who are emailing me, uh, commenting that they didn't even know I had a show first time they saw the show. Uh, so that's really cool. And it does kind of cement in my mind that everybody uses social media differently. And as much as I think that this time of nine o'clock Eastern on Sunday nights is a great time slot, and it's a time when a lot of people are online, not everybody is. And not everybody has time to watch the show on a Sunday night. So we put the show out now a few times during the week. And so that's 
something we're doing. So look for that. Uh, all right. So we can continue to stay uh, commercial free. We do have a sponsor every week. We have one sponsor. We do a quick announcement of that. That covers the cost of the show. And that way we're commercial free. This week's sponsor is my training program, varstraining.com. Varstraining.com. It is my whole entire system on how to create an online income. Whether you're somebody that is looking to supplement your income right now, or you want to build an online income for retirement years, uh, or somebody you know who's looking to maybe completely convert to an online income so you can have a portable income. Uh, one story I posted this week are these $1 homes that are for sale in Italy. And you can take advantage of those kinds of opportunities uh, to move overseas, uh, kind of build a whole new life once you've established an income online. So if you go to varstraining.com, that's V like in Victor, A-R-S training.com, you'll see that there are three lessons that are for free. So you can try it out, kick the tires, go through the three lessons that are free. Then we have a special offer that we're running right now, which is for $17 you can try out one of the classes, which gives you a full length, hour long class to see if it's for you or not. That's something new we just started offering a couple of weeks ago and tons of people are taking advantage of that. So help us out tonight, patronize our sponsor, varstraining.com, that's V-A-R-S, varstraining.com, the virtual asset retirement system, varstraining.com tonight's sponsor. All right. If you didn't hear the news, uh, Florida is now in phase three. I can't keep up with all these different phases, phase one, phase two, phase three, probably the worst part of the whole deal. I have to be honest with you is when the grocery stores started putting in these arrows, uh, where you could go up some aisles and not you go up and then back and there are arrows on the floor and they created like a traffic flow inside the grocery store. It turns out not very many people followed that, but I, I shop at the same grocery store pretty much. There's two of them I go to and I constantly forget where things are. And then you add to it that, you know, I'm, I'm walking back and forth, back and forth, looking for the dog food. And I finally find the aisle with the dog food and the arrow was going the wrong way. So now I have to go up the other aisle and come around and get to the dog food. So I, I kind of gave up on that. So, you know, if there's a, a fine that I owe, I admit I went against those arrows. <laughs> I did that. But in any case, Florida is in phase three, which means in plain language, we're no longer under any restrictions. So restaurants and bars have gone up to back to 100% occupancy. So all of that stuff is gone, but the local municipalities are still, most of them still enforcing masks. So really the next thing to happen is maybe the masks will go away. A lot of this is because they were waiting to see what happened when the kids were put back in school. The kids went back to school. There was a prediction of a second wave or a spike in cases that never happened. So we never had that spike. So I think that was the good news that sort of put our governor in that position that he felt like we could go into phase three and he warned us it's not necessarily forever. We might back it off to phase two or phase one if, if things kind of percolate and get worse. So part of this is uh, an article I read today, which I, I found very interesting 
This is, I believe, out of the Detroit Medical Center. They did a study and they're saying that the coronavirus is weakening and that the so-called viral loads carried by patients are on the decline along with the death rate. That means that even though more people might be getting coronavirus, um, the symptoms are much more mild and the death rate has precipitously dropped. That's what happened here in Florida. We've got just virtually no deaths happening uh, in the state of Florida. It's, it's so tiny, the number that is occurring. And uh, those people that are getting sick, most are not going to the hospital and most are you know, recovering just fine. So things are changing. And one of the things that has really frustrated me is that even as things have changed, you don't see, once there's a, a, a high watermark, you know, once we hit a high watermark and we say, okay, we're going to put in all these restrictions, a lot of states won't ever come down from those restrictions. The idea was always that we'd monitor things. And if the numbers got better, we could relax these restrictions. Our governor did that. So kudos to him. But a lot of states are not willing to do that. They're even going out saying like no Broadway until June of next year. Well, how do you know that? How do you know that the numbers would not come down to where you could have Broadway sooner than June of next year? This is what makes many people skeptical of these mandates is they seem so arbitrary. You know, for example, you can't have a church service, but you can have Walmart open. It, it makes no sense. You can get on a bus, but you can't sit down in a restaurant. But a bus is a smaller space than a restaurant. You can get on a plane, but you can't have a church service. These are things that don't make any sense. And people can claim science, but science wouldn't support the idea that a bus, a small space of a bus is, uh, you know, less of a risk, for example, than, than a church. Uh, and then you've got, you know, Walmart's open, but the smaller stores can't be open maybe because they don't sell groceries. So a local hardware store might not be able to be open, but yet, Walmart's open selling uh, the same items in their hardware department. So these are things that just don't make sense to people. And when you start going out, you know, six months or a year saying that these uh, mandates are going to be out there for that long period of time without taking into consideration that the ebb and the flow and the changes of what's happening, you know, that's where you lose people um, because it doesn't make intellectual sense. It, it is not it's it's clearly about something else because science would say, hey, let's keep retesting and running the numbers every day, every week and every month. And let's make adjustments as necessary, because the idea is we're all in this as a temporary move. I hope I hope that we're not thinking these masks and these mandates are going to be around forever. And you just have to wonder, you know, how many of these restaurants are going to make it? I mean, how many restaurants could realistically close down for a year and keep paying their rent and their overhead insurance and all those other things that they have to pay for, even if they're not actually opening their doors uh, and they're not going to make it on the carryout food. But how many restaurants are going to be around in six months in a lot of these areas? So uh, in any case, we'll continue to watch things. But this is good news. Coronavirus apparently is weakening. Okay, so here it is. I'm not avoiding. The, uh, people are probably uh, going in our chat room and killing me saying, Jim, get to the point of what happened today in the news. All right, let me first say the debate is coming up Tuesday night. So I think that has a lot to do 
with what happened today in the news. And, um, you know, say what you want about Trump. Um, but this guy, I mean, as much as he gets hit, he keeps coming back. It's just incredible. I mean, just look at what's happened recently. So his lawyer writes a tell-all book about him, which is every every page of it is horrible about Trump, right? Then his uh, niece, Mary Trump, writes a tell-all book about her uncle and how horrible he is. Then Bob Woodward writes a book about how horrible Trump is. All of these books almost seem like coordinated and time to come out, you know, here before the election. And then, of course, we have the New York Times today uh, coming out with this big bombshell story. And here we go. Here's the headline uh, about Trump's taxes. Apparently, the allegation is that for 10 of 15 years prior to the 2016 election, Trump did not pay any taxes. All right. Let me start by saying this. I am not a shill for Donald Trump. If Donald Trump has broken any laws, he needs to face the same consequences as anybody else. Uh, I am not one of those people that is so loyal to Trump that no matter what he does, no matter what he says, I will defend. I don't always agree with things that he does. I think these petty spats he has on Twitter with celebrities, all of that is beneath the presidency and beneath him. Um, I think there are a lot of things that he does. For example, this past entire week, he's got the entire media uh, wondering if he's really going to step down or not if he loses the election. Apparently, I read a story uh, that he is literally laughing his butt off about this, that he, he, he enjoys this. He just enjoys tweaking the media. I don't think that's I don't know. I, I get that, that that's part of him. But I, I don't I don't know. I think that's beneath the presidency. So I'm not here to just go along with everything Trump does and everything Trump says. In fact, you know, if Trump were my next door neighbor, I'm not sure that I would like the guy really personally. I mean, he seems like a guy who's who's out for making money. He's a huge egotist. Um, he's somebody who, you know, obviously has had multiple marriages, which means he's probably not easy to get along with. Um, so there's a lot not to like about Trump. But here we go. You know, we've got the Supreme Court nomination, Amy Coney Barrett, another great conservative Supreme Court pick. Uh, and the hits keep coming. You know, we had Gorsuch and then Kavanaugh, and now we've got uh, Barrett. So you can't complain. I mean, the guy is living up to what we ask him to do. So we get to the headline, this, this bombshell about Trump's taxes. Now, I'm not going to give you a course tonight on the U.S. tax law not going to do that. Number one, I'm not a CPA, but I can tell you that I practiced as a certified financial planner for many years. And part of my practice was dealing with tax issues pretty much throughout the entire day. I've had clients worth millions of dollars and I've been in the room with lawyers and tax uh, accountants, CPAs, and myself putting together tax strategies for clients. So this is something I know a little bit about, not just, um, you know, talking about an article I read in the New York times today, but something I did professionally for many, many years. Uh, when you are an investor in real estate, whether you agree with this or not, the United States tax code has a ton of benefits for people that own real estate. There are also a ton of benefits for people that are self-employed, which is one of the reasons I have for many years in my books said to people, start a little small business, because there's a lot of benefit in doing that. And why is there tax benefits for small business owners? Because our government wants to incentivize people 
to start small businesses. If you tax something, it will die. <laughs> if you take, if you give something a tax cut or a tax incentive, a tax credit, a tax deduction, it will grow. This is simple economics. So our government, whether you agree with it or not, incentivizes businesses by providing a plethora of tax benefits. They also provide a, a, a huge amount of tax benefits to real estate investors. There used to be even a lot more real estate uh, tax credits and benefits and all of that before 1986. Uh, but even post 1986, uh, people that own real estate and businesses get a lot of tax deductions. Now, it doesn't mean, for example, if you own real estate, that you're never going to pay the taxes uh, on that real estate. What happens is with real estate, you're able to take what's called depreciation. And depreciation allows you to take a tax deduction of the value of your real estate based on a schedule. Typically over about 28 years, you can take a deduction based on the real estate that you own. This includes you. If you own rental properties, you own a rental house or a duplex that you rent out. Uh, this is not just for people that own multimillion dollar properties like Trump. So with depreciation, what happens is every time you take depreciation, it lowers your taxes in the present year. But what you're doing is you're actually lowering the basis in the property. So I'll give you an example. If you have a million dollar property and you've owned that property for many years, uh, and now let's say the property is worth two million. When you go to sell that property, you don't owe just a million dollars. Let's say you sell it for two million. You don't owe just a million dollars more than what that property was bought for. So you paid a million, you're selling it for two million. So you would think, well, there's a one million dollar gain that I owe taxes on. You may actually owe the entire two million if you fully depreciated that property to zero. That is the basis in the property. Every year that you depreciate it, that lowers your basis, which means that basically what you're doing is deferring your taxes. It's just like an IRA account. You put money into an IRA account, you get to deduct that from your income. But someday down the road, unless it's a Roth IRA, if it's a traditional deductible IRA, someday down the road, when you take that money out of your IRA account, you're going to pay taxes on that. So if you own a lot of real estate, if you own a lot of businesses, it very well could be that in the present day, you may not have a lot of uh, tax uh, obligations. You may be deferring your taxes out to that day. Maybe it'll be the day after Trump dies, his estate will end up owing a tremendous amount of taxes. Uh, but I guarantee you this, those taxes will be paid on that property that has appreciated in those cases that it has. Uh, the government wants business owners to start, you know, people to start businesses. So if you lose money in a business, you're able to use those losses to offset profits that you have in other businesses. It's just like in the stock market. If you have uh, a stock that triples and another stock that goes to zero, it very well could be that somebody could say, hey, you tripled your money in Amazon why, and you didn't pay any taxes. Well, yes, because I lost all of my money in another stock. So this is all to be understood within the context of the tax law. Now, apparently the IRS has been battling Trump on this for many years. 
and it might in fact be in some site uh, some sort of a uh, arbitration process or, or litigation or tax hearing it probably is in, in some uh, process of, of being litigated uh, but this is not a surprise and honestly those people that hate Trump this is going to make them hate Trump more and those people that are the avid Trump followers are probably not going to be swayed by this in fact, a lot of people might just say uh, Trump's a smart guy. He's able to figure out how to rearrange his finances in a way that he gets so many tax write-offs uh, that he doesn't owe any taxes. I think a lot of people might conclude that. But uh, it was interesting to see, as we talked about in last week's show, how many conservatives are turning against Trump. Uh, Drudge, Matt Drudge, was all over this today. It, I mean, I, I'm on... Uh, I get alerts from the Drudge Report when they change the headline, and uh, I get those in real time. And I think I got six different alerts today <laughs> about uh, Trump's taxes. So you got to wonder, though, here's the bigger question, is the timing of all this, right? So this all comes out uh, over the weekend, comes out today, right? And then the debate is on Tuesday night. Um, so, you know, if Trump has broken laws, he needs to be prosecuted like anybody else. I think, you know, most people would agree with that. I hope. Uh, but at the same time, um, if this is all supposed to be still confidential, uh, and it's still, you know, in, in the private process of being audited and, uh, handled internally within the IRS's processes and all that, it seems to me to be uh, a real breach uh, of, of Trump's rights for this to all come out. I wonder why it didn't come out years ago. Uh, but honestly, there's a good explanation for this. And you may be hearing this tonight for the first time, but I think you'll hear a lot of tax experts talking this week about real estate depreciation and business losses and all of those kinds of things and saying the same thing uh, that I'm saying tonight, you know, which is, uh, I personally for years have said, let's get rid of the tax code. I hate it. Let's do something that's more fair. Um, I loved the idea of the, uh, the fair tax where you just pay a little bit more on stuff you buy and we get rid of the tax code. It is a nightmare. Uh, I have a couple little businesses, uh, in myself and, uh, my wife has a little business. And so every year when it comes to tax time, you know, get out all the shoe boxes of receipts and the adding machine and let's pay hundreds of dollars to TurboTax and let's put all this stuff in. And I mean, it's it's nuts. I mean, I think if anything, what we might take from this is we need a different tax system uh, because as unfair as it looks. And I mean, you see this, too, with Amazon. Amazon is big stories about Amazon last year and them not uh, paying any taxes because of all their write offs. Uh, but it's sort of a two-edged sword. So our government, whether you think it's wise or not, put all these tax incentives in place for people to, uh, you know, to uh, build real estate, to own real estate, to start businesses. All of that is in the tax code. And that's why all those tax deductions are there. And the smart, rich people take advantage of all that. <laughs> I think that's kind of the bottom line. So in any case, uh, that is our first segment and uh, a lot more. I'll probably have to do a couple of videos this week to update what's going on. Maybe I'll do a post debate video. I'll be flying 
uh, to Boston on Wednesday, uh, probably uh, do a little video and tell you how my flight went, my first flight since we're all wearing masks. Uh, so that'll be interesting as well. All right, we'll take a one-minute open, uh, a one-minute break. I'm sorry, we'll refire the open, and we'll be back with our special guest, Casey Sepp, as we talk about furious hours, murder, fraud, and the last trial of Harper Lee. Fantastic book. Looking forward to the interview. Stay tuned. We'll be back in one minute. 